Welcome, everybody, to Car Thoughts with David. I am your host, as always, David Calvert. And today on the show, I've got Bob Sager on the line here in the car, traveling with us. And we're going to talk about his book, his recently released book, 101 Freaking Brilliant Business Ideas and 10 Ways You Can Create Your Own. Uh, Welcome, Bob, to the show. If you want to introduce yourself, and we'll get started. Hey, David, it's great to be here with you today and uh, look forward to uh, chatting about this uh, interesting new book. Absolutely, absolutely. And so this is your your second book, you had said? Is that correct? Well, it's my second solo book. Our company also published a a book that was a compilation of uh, 39 different uh, true stories uh, from people around the globe. But this is my second solo book. Oh, very cool. Very cool. So um, so what inspired you to get into writing? Was it that first project where you were uh, writing your, your story down or, or was it something deeper or further back than that? You know, it's actually uh, what has uh, become more important to me as I've gotten a little bit older. I'm in my mid-50s now. And what is, has become important to me is the work that I do, I want it uh, to, I want to do work that has the possibility of continuing to add value to people for decades or maybe even longer after I'm no longer around. And, um, and books are certainly something that can do that. I mean, I was reading a biography, um, an autobiography written by uh, 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 Benjamin Franklin recently. And He's been gone for a long time, and yet what he wrote down there, you know, still had an effect on me a couple hundred years later. Oh wow, yeah, and I mean, and that's that's so powerful because a lot of people are wanting to do that now. You know, a lot of people are looking for that that purpose in their life to to leave that mark, and um, you know, and especially with with the ability to get books published a lot more easily than it was in the past. There's a lot more publishers out there. You know, the doors are really opening up for those types of things. I think that's really a great uh, medium to leave something because, you know, books are something that, you know, there's so many people that I talk to uh, in every age demographic where they're like, you know, I like the feel of a physical book in my hand, the smell of it. You know, there's a lot of nostalgia there. And I think, um, you know, you don't get that with a lot of other mediums. A lot of stuff is kind of here one day, gone the next. Except for records, they seem to just keep coming back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I'll tell you frankly, something that has surprised me in terms of book sales is it's easily two or possibly even three to one physical books versus uh, Kindle books. Does that surprise you? Um, I actually was surprised by that because uh, I've published a couple of books myself and, and it was really interesting to see how that played out. Whereas, I mean, you know, I get those Kindle sales, but at the same time, my physical book sales far outweighed them. Um, and, and I was kind of like, wow, that's not what I expected. Um, the one stat I actually discovered is that uh, because of the way that they replant the trees for, uh, for printing books, um, they're actually just as green as ebooks are as far as eco- ecological friendliness. So right. uh, a lot of people think, oh, you know, printed, I always buy ebooks because it's better for the environment. Actually, printed books are just as uh, uh, carbon neutral as an ebook is, which I had no idea until I 
started getting into the world of publishing and found that statistic. Right, right. Yeah, but that, that really, that statistic really surprised me because I thought, you know, I'd heard, hey, print is dead, right? You've been hearing that for 30 years. But I really don't think that's the case. I think, uh, you know, and a lot of people, they like to have both. Very true. Yeah, that's that's the way I purchase books. I usually buy the print version and I'll read that. Um, but if I'm in a pinch and I happen to be having to travel or something real quick, I've got my phone or my tablet and I can just read it there if I don't have time or forget it. So uh, so I try and I try and do both for that reason. So, yeah, I don't think when it comes to books, print is definitely not dead, uh, you know, because it's something tangible. And I think a lot of people crave something real and tangible uh, in this, uh, you know, very quickly nearing all digital world that we live in. <laughs> right. So, so as far as your, your book, um, you know, the, the 101 freaking brilliant business ideas, um, uh, was this stuff that was like always, uh, like ideas that you've always had, or was this like a list that you compiled by researching from from different people. I've not had a chance to read it yet. I'm still waiting for my copy to, <laughs> to come in. Um, yeah, no, uh, what it is is um, the some of it is the work that I've done for, for clients over the last uh, 11 years. I founded uh, Spearpoint Solutions 11 years ago. And, um, um, you know, some of it is ideas, strategies. By the way, I should clarify, you know, it says business ideas, 101 freaking brilliant business ideas. Um, it says ideas because that fits nicely on the cover, but really it's ideas, it's strategies, it's uh, uh, solutions. There's, I like to say it this way, it's, uh, it's kind of like a box of chocolates, right? Uh, it, it's just so diverse in what's in there, um, you know, from business improvement strategies, differentiation strategies, um, ideas, uh, simple ideas on how you can drive more traffic into your business, um, a little bit of everything. There's uh, a couple of ideas for television shows in there. Um, one of the, I was interviewed on a different podcast a couple of days ago, and we were talking about uh, uh, an idea as pizza as a service. Uh, so sort of a, a differentiation or or positioning idea. So it's a little bit of everything. It's not just ideas. And then some of them are things that I've come up with in the course of working with clients. Um, and some of them are just, you know, I get in the habit of, of working with the strategies that I use to develop ideas for clients, those methods. I work with those daily um, and just, um, you know, somebody the other day called me an idea man. I said, well, I guess that's that's fairly accurate. And, um, you know, if it's a good idea, it's a good idea. And so I've gotten in the habit of recording them, uh, you know, over the course of several years. And um, so I figured, you know, these are ones that aren't currently having things done with them. And let's put them in a book and get them out there for the world because they're going to add some value to people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's really important is, is documenting as well. Like you said, you're recording these ideas down. Um, you know, a lot of people don't do that. They have these great ideas and they're just like, wow, I'll have to remember that uh, or I'll have to think about that or, you know, later on I'll work on that and, and 
you know, I found in my own life that generally, uh, <laughs> usually if I do that, I don't remember what it is by the time I have the time to actually sit down and, and, and contemplate it. So uh, keeping a journal or using voice notes on my phone has become part of my daily routine because, you know, I'm constantly at that point where I'm like, okay, um, yeah, let's, 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 I'm not going to remember this in, in an hour. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. It, it, look, it, I, I, I never trust anything to memory. I think I have a pretty good memory, but I don't trust anything to memory. And that's why whether I'm working with these methods on my own in the workshops, or actually we call them more accurately fun shops that we conduct, uh, we we digitally audio record everything, um, and and the and the the reason for that is twofold. Do you, do you mind if I tell you why? Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, the first reason is because ideas are fleeting, and if you don't capture that at that moment, you can, like you alluded to, David, you can go back and and you can say, boy, you know what? The how exactly did I? word that and what was I thinking about and you know you, your memory just uh, doesn't tend to grab onto it that well but the second reason is I found that personally when you go back and, and re-listen to the audio uh, especially if it's an idea that's important to something in your life whether it's your business or something else that your subconscious mind has been working on that the whole time. And as you re-listen to it, it'll occur other other ways to to improve it will occur to you. And you know, it's sort of like, oh, this is really good the way it is, but if we did it this way or we added this to it or subtracted this from it, it would be even better. And so I think that's important to uh, personally I audio record almost everything. That that makes a lot of sense actually, because uh, I know from also from personal experience, like there's been times where I've read a book and then went back and reread a book, and I'm like, it's like I do not remember that at all the first time I read that book. So so what you were saying about the mind actually uh, processing things or working on things differently, you tend to see from uh, sometimes a different perspective, um, and then like have that aha moment where you're like, oh okay yeah I know exactly what to do with that. So, so yeah, I mean that's that's brilliant. And of course, we all have uh, audio recorders pretty much attached to us at all times with our cell phones. So anyone who's listening, you know, if, you, if you have ideas, record them. <laughs> yeah, it's something that, that I put in the uh, in the appendix to the to the new book is is exactly that. To however you need to do it, you know, record it. Whether you carry, you know, you've got audio notes on your phone, which most people do or carry a separate digital audio recorder, whatever it takes, uh, just get those ideas down. And, and look, the more practice you get at generating ideas, uh, the better you get at it. I mean, people have the mistaken um, um, impression that creativity and innovative thinking is only for the few. And that's really not true. I mean, we're all born creative thinkers. It's just that most of us, of us have not had a whole lot of practice at it since we were about five years old and before we got sent to formal school. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, everybody has that 
that ability. It's just like riding a bike. You've got to sit there and develop it and learn how to use it again, especially after you get, you know, like you said, formal schooling. You know, you kind of get taught this is how you do things. These are the formulas for success. You know, two plus two equals four, so on and so forth. And, you know, so you learn how to follow rules and stay within confines, whereas that innocence of just going out there and being like, what if two plus two doesn't equal four? <laughs> you know, and, and asking those types of questions just don't occur to us the, the older we get when we start realizing, oh, I've got to stay within all these rules and, you know, learning and I can't break out of that, that box or that mold. And, and look, people do, as is human nature, people develop habitual ways of doing things. It, it, habits make your life easier. Right, because you don't have to consciously think about it. I mean, if you were driving down the road, and do you remember what it was like when you first started learning to drive? How complicated that seemed? How nervous you were? How you had to consciously think about every little thing? And if you had to do that with every task throughout your day, you'd be a nervous wreck, right? And so, but once you've learned something, you know, you assign that task to your subconscious mind and you no longer have to consciously think about it. And because you don't have to consciously think about it, you normally don't. Um, and so thinking becomes habitual also. And so when we're faced with a problem, we default to our comfort zone way of thinking. And the problem with that is, David, we end up coming up with the exact same solutions. Well, if those aren't working, then what do you do to get out of that comfort zone and begin seeing things in new ways, in different ways to come up with better solutions, things that will work um, differently? And that's one of the reasons that, in addition to the 101 ideas that are in the book, we've got 10 methods in there to help you break that pattern of thinking about things and help you to see things in new ways. And, and, and yeah, I mean, that's absolutely true because, you know, I can't even imagine. I, I try and think back to when you were saying about, like, the first time you were driving, I'm thinking, like, yeah, I was a nervous wreck. <laughs> I had my mom in the seat beside me. And she was a nervous wreck, and I'm like, okay, you know, because I was also learning to drive a manual transmission too, right? So, so it was definitely a, a, a nerve-wracking experience. <laughs> uh, so yeah, but absolutely, yeah. So going back to the, uh, you know, the, the habitual ways of doing things, yeah, you don't even think about that because it comes second nature after a while. You're just like, yep, I know how to drive a car. Put the key in, turn the ignition, you know, shift gears, or put it in reverse or drive and, and go everything becomes automatic at that point and and it, and it and it's so automatic david that you can you can especially if you're driving a familiar route you can get in the car you can arrive at your destination and you have no clue what happened in the meantime right you arrive there and you look up and you go how did I even get here? I don't even remember driving here because your because your conscious thoughts were on something else, and you, your subconscious has the power to just take over and and take care of these tasks for you. So essentially, what we're doing 
um, in the in the training that we do, and in the we utilize a lot of the methods that are in the book and some others. Is you know we we sort of get people back in touch with consciously thinking about things and get them back in touch with their creative nature um, that they that's kind of rusty, right? And uh, frankly, it amazes me. But almost every uh, uh, session that we do, people are absolutely shocked at the quantity and quality of ideas that they generate by using these methods. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's one thing that I've noticed with a lot of people, especially anybody that I've I've met or talked to that have started on like a creative journey where they're trying to break into a new um, skill set or a new, uh, system that they're wanting to go into or a new, like going into podcasting or whatever. They, they generally, you know, I'll hear them say like, wow, you know, ever since I started this, I've got all these different ideas on ways I can change or innovate or create something new or, or, uh, you know, try something different. And I'm like, yeah, you know, over time (laughs) you start using that, that creative muscle and, uh, you know, it, it, it realizes like, hey, uh, he's paying attention to me or she's paying attention to me. I, I need to start coming up with some more stuff and keep this going. So it's almost like a like a addiction after a while, uh, for lack of a better word that I can come up with right now. <laughs> well, and, and it and look, it, it becomes sort of a new paradigm when you when you get used to thinking in new ways and looking at things in new ways, then you you begin to see things that previously, because you weren't looking for them, they were invisible to you. And so one of the things that I talk with people about is, you know, we're going to teach you how to see the invisible so that you can do what you previously thought was impossible. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's the key. It's like those, uh, those videos they have on YouTube where it's like, um, you know, you're watching this basketball game or whatever, you don't even see the gorilla <laughs> that runs out right. on the court. Um, right. I know exactly what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's uh, really it, is, is like you said, you know, you're learning to or teaching people to see or to look for something different and not just get caught up in the, the basketball game, so to speak. Right, exactly. Yeah, and so as far as, you know, you said there was like a lot of methods and like different things in uh, in this book. It's not just ideas. Um, what's like something that, you know, maybe that you added to the book or that you, you put in the book that you might not have like thought or something that kind of surprised you or an idea that you had that you added to it that kind of, took you by surprise as far as like, wow, you know, this is something really cool I need to add or something like that. You know, um, here's, uh, here's an idea. Um, I'm going to share, this is one idea. And, and interestingly, David, this is for podcasters. Um, and the idea for podcasters is look, one of the great things about podcasts is they're available whenever, right? On demand. Whenever I have time, I can listen to them. Would you agree that's a, you know, and they live forever. That's a good thing about podcasts, right? Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, 
that's also a bad thing about podcasts because there's no sense of urgency to go and catch that episode because it's always going to be there, you know, uh, whenever I whenever I'm ready for it. But what if we looked at it and and we used um, um, a method I like to call go opposite, um, and we said, what if episodes weren't available forever? What if certain episodes, you said, boy, I had a really good guest on, and in order to inspire a sense of urgency among my listeners, I need to let them know this podcast is only going to be available for a month, right? And so if you want to listen to it, you got to check it out you know, within the next 30 days or within the next 15 days or whatever it happens to be. And then that episode isn't available. However, just like Disney does with the movies that they sell, you could bring them back out of the podcast vault from time to time and do a special promotion and, and reinvigorate life into that particular podcast. That is actually a really cool idea. <laughs> yeah, that would Almost like I know people. what I'm talking about, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I, I like that. I've heard uh, some people say that they'll like record like a short episode with a person, and then they'll have like, a link to the full episode where it's like private on you know, their channel or whatever, and you have to be a member to like not necessarily a pay member, but you have to, you know, if you want to listen to the whole thing, you have to sign up for the mailing list, things like that to kind of inspire that sense of listenership and, uh, and gain people to visit as well. So, you know, that's definitely an interesting idea for sure. Cause you know, like you said, you know, if somebody says, Oh, well, you know, it's going to be around for the next 10, 15 years. So I don't have to worry about listening to this interview today. So yeah. Right. Definitely. Right. So, and, and listen, there's a hundred more uh, freaking brilliant ones in the book. <laughs> <laughs> would you mind if I would share um, a a method that your listeners can use? Um, they can the minute they get done listening to this episode, they can begin using this method of thinking more creatively, more innovatively. Oh, absolutely! By all means, it, it's I call this method. How can I make money with this? Which sounds kind of simple, but let me give you a little bit of backstory on this and, and sort of to illustrate how this might work for somebody. Uh, there was a, a gentleman who was the founder of Temple University named Russell Conwell. And Russell Conwell gave a speech called Acres of Diamonds. If you're not familiar with it, I highly recommend uh, looking it up. It's, it's very powerful. Well, he gave that speech a few thousand times, and he used the proceeds from that speech um, to start Temple University. And uh, apparently during the speech, one of the things that he told his audience was that their wealth is right in front of them. And he goes on to say, it's too near you, and that's why you can't see it. And apparently one night in the audience, there was a cynical man, and he was sitting behind a lady wearing a very large hat. This is sort of an era where that was high fashion for ladies um, back around the uh, turn of the 20th century. And he said, he remarked uh, to some of his neighbors sitting around him, well, if my wealth is too near me or right in front of me, it must be in that hat, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, everybody got a good chuckle about that. And yet, that thought stuck in his mind. 
And that gentleman went on to develop a better hat pin that ended up earning him over a million dollars. So, <laughs> so Conwell was right. Your, your wealth is too near you. And so the, the method works like this. Everything that you encounter during the day, every person you meet, every situation you run into, every object that you look at, get in the habit of asking yourself, how could I make money with this? And the essence of that question, David, is how can I serve people with this, right? How can I add value to others? Because that's the only way that you're going to make money is, you know, if you provide something, a product or a service that adds value to other people, right? That they're willing to, to trade money for. And so you know, that method right there People, as soon as they get done listening to this podcast, they can begin applying that and just ask themselves that question and write down every idea that occurs to you, whether you think it's a great one or not. Uh, if you think it has, it's stupid and has no merit at all, write it down anyway, because it puts your subconscious mind to work on ways that you can make things happen. And you'll be surprised that the ideas that bubble up out of your uh out of your subconscious, and sometimes when you're not even expecting them, they'll just come from nowhere, seemingly. Absolutely, yeah, and I mean, even ideas, like you said, just to kind of piggyback off of that, you know, ideas that you might think aren't going to work or, or don't work out, like, for instance, the glue on the post-it note. You know, they were trying to find a really super powerful glue that could hold things and be reusable and that all they found was a glue that could hold really, really light things. <laughs> and then the post-it note, which is probably one, I mean, I use post-it notes on a daily basis. I know tons of people that do, um, was created by somebody who was like, wow, this didn't really work out the way I thought it was, or, you know, I don't think I can really do anything with this idea. And then they, you know, ended up being like everywhere around the world. Everybody knows what a post-it note is. <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's look. This that technique and the others in the book are very, very powerful. And and look, I'll say something else that I, I think a lot of people perhaps don't realize, but that skill set of being able to think more innovatively, more creatively, is it's not just a nice to have anymore. That's really if you want to thrive in the 21st century, that is a must-have skill set. It's going to be required. In an age of, of automation, you've got to be able to do things that machines can't do. And that's something that human beings can do that computers, machines will never be able to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you see those those commercials. Um, gosh, I think, I can't remember what it was. It was some animated commercial, but it's this, this lady, she's working in a factory, and then eventually... They add in a robot to the factory, and then after a while, it's all robots in the factory, and she's sitting there by herself. <laughs> and then I think it's for a college, and then she's goes back to school and learns how to fix the robots and how, how to maintain them and build them. And then you know she then has a job again, and that's so true. I mean, with all of these like self checkout, self driving cars, uh, robots that build uh, cars and things like that, it's you know people are, are being outsourced by by the machines we're building so those ideas those innovations those things to create um you know those ideas are going to be the the paycheck 
you know, they're going to be the, the, the meal ticket for, for us to survive, like you said, in, uh, that's in the, the 21st that's and the, 22nd century. That's the currency, right? That's the modern day currency uh, is ideas and especially ideas that matter, right? A- ideas that add real value to people. And, and the more you practice at that, you know, it's just like taking pictures. Why do uh, professional photographers take better photographs than the rest of us, right? Part of it is maybe a little bit of natural talent and some training, but a big part of that is beyond, you know, that basic training that they need is they take a lot of darn pictures, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I tell people don't worry about getting bad ideas. In fact, sometimes I aim at getting bad ideas uh, because buried in there are some pearls, right? Among all that sand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, you never know. Even a bad idea sometimes can be a great idea. Uh, you know, you just maybe need to look at it from a different perspective. So. Hey, David, can you imagine the people who are sitting around in uh, a TV production room talking about what is the stupidest idea for a movie or a television show that we could ever ever think of and somebody probably piped up hey sharks in a tornado right (laughs) (laughs) now now personally i think that's a really ridiculous dumb idea and yet they've made like nine of those shows (laughs) yes and they have been insanely successful as well because people were curious and that it got a huge like cult following now so so right. yeah, every single one of them is about packed <laughs> when it's so, in the theaters. Yeah, so when you you know just when you think your idea is dumb, uh, maybe it's not as dumb as or as bad as it seems at first. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. So so yeah, and I mean that's that's the thing. A lot of people just and I think this is partly to do with with the way we look at people and you know co- the spirit of competition is a lot of us go out there and strive to be perfect all the time and if it's if we can't do it perfect we don't do it at all and i think you know the world's not a perfect place and we're not we're certainly not perfect uh, individuals uh so i think it's good to go out there and, and break some eggs uh you know uh every every um vase you make in a pottery class is not going to be perfect <laughs> you know and just to, to keep going until you get it you know and, and just build from there and yeah, you always learn. Yeah, I think you always look. You always ought to be striving to yes. grow and improve, get better, do your best daily. But uh, chasing perfection is like chasing the horizon. Um, it seems like you can catch it, but you never will. So true. So true. <laughs> Well, yeah, man, and, uh, you know, and, and that's, I think, you know, especially, and I can't wait to really dig into your book. Um, I should have ordered it sooner. I wasn't thinking about the weekend and everything, but uh, <laughs> I can't really wait to dig into it because I want to uh, start, you know, checking into these ideas and these things because, I mean, I just, you know, I'm trying to sharpen that skill and that, that muscle and, you know, break out of the mold of my day-to-day habitual existence and, and do that as well. And I know so many people out there are trying to do the same thing and, you know, and start 
you know, because a lot of people are starting to realize we're in the idea age. We're not. We're no longer in the information age. We're in the idea age. It's time you have to you have to bring something to the table. So, um, so yeah, I think it's your book is definitely going to help a lot of people. And I mean, yeah, I'm like I said, I'm looking forward to cracking it open myself. <laughs> well, David, I I think you'll like it a lot. I think your your users, uh, your listeners will like it a lot. Um, you know, they can pick it up on Amazon um, worldwide. And uh, so that's, um, you know, trust me, if you search on 101 freaking brilliant business ideas, that's going to be the top result. Uh, so <laughs> so they can do that. And um, do you mind? Uh, I can I can tell people um, the best way to, to reach me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That was going to be the next the next thing. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, my my world uh, online which is the best place to find me is LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn, uh, just linkedin.com slash IN slash Bob Sager. And that's me. Very cool. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and I can verify, I did type it in the search uh, today on Amazon. It'll start to, it'll start to auto correct and, and suggest Bob's book. Uh, as soon as you start typing it in is the very top one. So uh, definitely recommend picking it up. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show and sharing some of your insights and everything. And, and uh, you know, really appreciate it. Well, my pleasure to be on with you, David. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. Hey. Hey, everybody. David here. Do you guys like science fiction? If so, I just released a novel. It's called Hurtling Toward a Home, A Story of Hope. It's set many hundreds of years in the future when Earth just couldn't support us anymore. We thought we had more time. We didn't take it seriously. We didn't listen to what was being said. And now we have to suddenly build ships and figure out a place to go, but where? So we decide to just go everywhere, to just send ships off in every direction that any scientist has ever said could potentially support human life to give us the best chance of survival, we're going to try every planet. So we built ships and loaded supplies and robots on them and shipped them ahead to try and prepare and test the planets uh, to make sure that they were suitable as we were building our fleet to leave for our great exodus from Earth. This particular story follows one ship, the Hope, and one young man, Jonathan, as he's always dreamed of living this life of adventure from what he's seen from old Earth movies and read in novels. And he longs for that type of, of an adventure. He longs to set foot on a planet. And yet, he is not. But after his 16th birthday, he gets sent off on a secret mission and an adventure that he never thought he would ever be able to live i am so excited to share this journey with you guys and i thank you guys for checking it out again hurtling towards a home a story of hope by david calvert